Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. My name is JJ Jackson, and it is so awesome that you're listening to our show today. Thank you for making this your first listen each and every day when it comes to all things Duke Athletics. What a fun show I've got planned for you today as I got the opportunity to catch up with Jason Evans from Duke Basketball Report to talk about Duke's win over Kentucky, the next two basketball games being tonight versus Army, tomorrow versus Campbell, and what it means for Duke as they continue to open up the 2021-2022 season. Lockdown Blue Devils, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. We're five days a week, every weekday, where we bring you the best coverage around the Duke Blue Devils. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Make sure you follow and subscribe to this podcast for free wherever you get your podcasts. Also give us some love in the uh, five-star ratings department. Write us a review. Give us five stars. Really do appreciate when you do that. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. And, man, I'm excited to chat with Jason Evans from the Duke Basketball Report. You're listening to Locked On Blue Devils here today. My name is JJ Jackson and thrilled to be joined by Jason Evans from the Duke Basketball Report as we're getting you set today on this Friday for Duke Basketball, this action with games this weekend versus Army and Campbell. And, of course, Jason, one of our good friends, here to join us on the podcast today. Jason, how are you doing, friend? Boy, I'm doing great. After that game on Tuesday against Kentucky, could not be better. (laughs) I mean, what a game that was. I had a lot of fun listening to you guys break it down on the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We certainly did the same over here at Locked On Blue Devils. But uh, what a win, what a statement, what a way to kick off the college basketball season. And really, there are so many things that you can look at for Duke and be like, man, they really didn't play that great of a game all around. They still walk away with a victory, and there's still plenty of room for improvement. Yeah, that's the, the the thing that makes, I think, all of us really excited is that this team doesn't feel anywhere close to complete yet. Um, there are there are many, many places where they can get a lot better. I mean, it's it's really easy to look. If nothing else, you can look at the three pointers. Yeah, they're, they're not going to hit seven point seven percent of their threes on the season. JJ, I can guarantee you that. <laughs> um, and like, we talked a couple of weeks ago about the three-pointers. Remember, we were having that discussion about it feels like there's always the graphic that pops up about so many consecutive games that Duke makes a three-pointer, an NCAA record. They only hit one and still won the game. <laughs> yeah. I, in fact, I one of the things I mentioned on the Duke Basketball Report podcast was I went and I looked. Uh, there were 240 teams, 240 teams that played basketball on Tuesday, the first day, the opening day of the season. Yeah. It may have been the busiest day of the entire year. With 240 clubs in action, Duke was 240th out of 240 in terms of of our three-point percentage and in terms of our percentage of points that we got from three-pointers. That won't last. So, yeah, there's just so many places for this team to improve. But to be where they are already, considering how young they are, um, really shows you the benefit of, of what was a summer where they got to campus early and where Coach K was with them every single day, not out on the recruiting trail at all, uh, you are clearly seeing the benefits of that in the quick maturity of this young Blue Devil team. 13 attempts from three for Duke. What did you notice about those in particular? Felt like when the shots weren't falling early, Duke said, you know what, let's just get to the rim because we can, and that was kind of the game plan. Yeah, one of the things I identified, in fact, you know, people – 
several people said to me, hey, what was the key? What was the biggest thing about that game? And to me, and this, this applies both to Duke and Kentucky, shot selection was a, a huge, huge factor in this game. Um, and it wasn't just that Duke was choosing not to take three-pointers. Duke refused to take bad two-pointers. Um, Kentucky, on the other hand, was perfectly willing right. <laughs> <laughs> to hoist up contested shots um, you know, from 10, 12, 15 feet. And, and you, you can't win basketball that way. We, we've, we've come to the age of efficiency. If you're taking a three-pointer, that's efficient. If you're taking a shot in the lane, at the rim, a dunk, or, or a wide open two-pointer, those are efficient. And that's what Duke did all day. Um, I, 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 went, I was able to map it. There, Duke only took 14 mid-range jumpers, and almost all of them were like Paolo, Apollo pulling up or Trevor Keels pulling up where their man sort of blew past them and they were open for a 10, 12 footer. Um, Duke took very, very few shots that were contested uh, other than shots that were in the lane. And you're allowed to shoot it in there because you're so close. Kentucky, on the other hand, was perfectly willing to throw up bad shots. Ty uh, Ty Washington, uh, I, I think, I, I forget the number, but he took, uh, he took something like seven or nine contested shots that were outside of the lane, but inside the three-point line. That, that's, that's terrible. You can't right. do that. More than half of Kentucky's two-point shots were taken outside of the lane. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a formula to ask to lose. So Duke played smart by taking the shots that Kentucky was giving them. Uh, those shots happened to be at the rim as opposed to being at the three-point line. But um, I, I think this team's capable of hitting three-pointers. They just recognize that they could do it a different way and still win. And then defensively for Duke, Kentucky in the first half is 6 of 11 from three-point range. Kentucky only shot five three-pointers in the second half, going one for five. It really felt like there was more of a concerted effort to make sure they didn't get to their spots on the three-point line. And Duke's defense was saying, absolutely, take these terrible two-point shots. Just please don't beat us from the three-point line because they only made one in the second half. Yeah, and I thought the Duke defense was much more disciplined in the second half. Um, the rotations were a lot smarter. Um, they, they, they weren't letting uh, Severe Wheeler, the, the Kentucky point guard kid who used to be at, at University of Georgia, he had 10 assists on the game, and he's a dynamic passer, um, incredibly quick with the ball. Unbelievably quick. Yeah, 5'10". Yeah, one of the things I said in the preview of this game was I was like, Severe Wheeler's the kind of guy where he doesn't need a pick to, to blow past you. Most guys use screens. Yeah. Um, he doesn't need a screen. Uh, but um, Duke, I thought, got a lot smarter in how they defended him in the second half. They, they didn't come off of guys on the perimeter, uh, you know, like Kellen Grady and things like that, on the perimeter, guys who are going to hit three-pointers. They didn't come off of those guys. Um, they, they tried to help mostly with the big men inside, and, and they were fortunate in that Wheeler wasn't able to find his – his other big men for slam dunks as much. He was doing that some in the first half. Uh, and, and yeah, it was just, it was a, it, it was a strong, a stronger than expected defensive effort. I thought from Duke considering, you know, we were freshmen and newcomers, you know, almost the whole time other than Wendell Moore. This episode of locked on blue devils is brought to you by McDonald's proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect. A place where classmates can meet up for a study group 
knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place for teammates, competitors, the home team, or the away team can come to recharge. It's the place you always look forward to stopping at on the long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. I love McDonald's so much, I could proudly say I spent one year in high school working at McDonald's. Make sure you go by and check out your local McDonald's. Head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there, proudly sponsoring the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, I'm loving it. It's just alarming, too, when you think about the number of offensive rebounds that they gave up to Oscar Sheboy inside for Kentucky. You would have thought that he would have been able to kick it back out to open shooters. But again, they only shot five three-pointers in the second half. It was like, okay, get an offensive rebound. Now find another bad two-point shot to take with it. Yeah. Uh, and, and look, you can't, you can't look at this one game and extrapolate too much for the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much of, uh, of this victory was Duke played great and how much of it was Kentucky played poorly. I don't think Kentucky had a bad game. This wasn't Kentucky can play way worse than they played in this game, but there were some things they did, especially mentally. I thought um, that the, that, that over the course of the season, if I'm Kentucky, I'm hoping I'm going to fix those things. And one of them was their execution on offense and what they were looking for in terms of trying to get the right kind of shots. Um, and, and as they get more and more comfortable playing together, they'll get better at those things. Don't forget that this Kentucky team, though, it's not young, it is, you know, together for the first time. He has a right. bunch of transfers this year. John Calipari, you know, he didn't load up on freshmen other than Ty Ty Washington, but he loaded up on transfers. Um, and even though those guys are physically mature um, and, uh, you know, and, and, are, and know what it takes to win at the college level, uh, they still are learning how to play together. And I think when you look at this Kentucky team, that was my thing. I walked away impressed, honestly, with how much better Kentucky can get from this having respect for the opponent that Duke just played, Kentucky, 9-16 and 16 a year ago. Really, the last three or four seasons have not been playing to their standards in the SEC. I think the SEC needs to watch out for Kentucky because they may be back uh, to their kind of dominant level of play there in the Southeastern Conference. Duke, on the other hand, they get ready for a couple of games at home this weekend. What are your thoughts going into this weekend of competition for the Blue Devils? Uh, look, I'm, I'm hoping uh, – let's start by saying this – we're not playing a team the caliber of Kentucky. Army and Campbell right. are, are both teams that are that are extremely likely to be in the bottom half of all teams in Division One. I. I don't want to say you're looking past them, but these are not clubs that should be able to challenge Duke, especially given the the size and the physicality of this Duke team. Uh, when when you play smaller schools, when you play mid majors or even you know small Division One programs. Um, uh, physicality and size tend to be the things that start to really drop off in those programs compared to, to a, a team like Duke. The, the Duke, to be clear, we're rolling out there with NBA size, you know, I, and that is rare at the college level. Um, uh, Jeremy Roach is, is sort of a typical college point guard height, but Trevor Keels, Wendell Moore, are absolutely the size and strength and physicality of NBA shooting guards and NBA small forwards. Paolo Bancaro, Paolo is an NBA-ready power forward on day one. And Mark Williams has maybe even more size than most NBA centers. Sure. Uh, so for Duke to be rolling out there with a team that big, when you're playing someone like Army, when you're playing someone like Campbell, you're probably going to overwhelm them um, 
so what I'm looking to see is I'm hoping Duke's going to be able to work on some other things other than just being dominant physically. I hope we will work on better passing on the offense, um, which should lead to more three-pointers and to more open three-pointers, hitting right. a higher three-point percentage. But Duke, mostly against Kentucky, put their heads down. You know, we had three guys in Moore, Keels, and Bancaro who put their head down and went to the basket and said, I dare you to stop me. And Kentucky was not capable of stopping them. That's great. Right. But I want this team to be able to develop an identity that's beyond sort of that one-on-one hero ball um, because uh, it worked great, but it won't work great every time. So I want the team to work on those kind of things. I'm interested in in seeing Mark Williams have a better game. Mark Williams had a couple really nice blocks late in the game against Kentucky. Key, key moments when it was a four point ball game and on consecutive possessions, Mark Williams got blocked shots to keep Kentucky from scoring. It's a big deal. Yeah. When they <laughs> needed it. I mean, Kentucky's yeah. on the 11 0 run to cut it down to four and Mark Williams came up with big plays defensively. Yes. But, but I'm looking for him to become a little more of an offensive force in this game. Um, continue to patrol the paint the way he has and, and protect the rim. But I, I want to see the Mark Williams. That's a little more offensive. Frankly, Theo John played more minutes than Mark Williams did against Kentucky. And I'm, I'm hoping that that will reverse itself. Not that I don't, I, I love Theo John yeah. and, and he's bringing great stuff to that. He's probably the best backup. He's fun center. to watch. He's the best backup center in college basketball right now. I, I think. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I want our, our first team center, Mark Williams to show me a little bit more. And then the other guy I'm hoping will continue to progress is AJ Griffin. Um, right. We, we still have not even begun to see what that kid can be. There are people, smart scouts, who know, you know, college basketball and pro basketball, who expected A.J. Griffin to be a top five uh, lottery pick at the end of this year. If he's going to be that kind of player, we, you know, I'm hoping we're going to begin to start to see it. He's someone, I, I think he'll remind a lot of Duke fans of, of Justice Winslow, super physical specimen, but also very skilled on the perimeter. Um, and, and I'm hoping we're going to begin to see that with him as he recovers from Boy, just injury after injury after injury, um, and he's finally healthy, and I, I'm really eager to see what he can bring. 11 minutes for A.J. Griffin. He played just like a short little spurt in the first half, and then in the second half, cramps began to become an issue for the Duke basketball team, and A.J. was part of a unit that really kind of blossomed the lead all the way up to 15 for Duke. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how he can build off of that going into a couple of games this weekend. You just worry about the, obviously the conditioning has got to get there at a certain point, the energy, everything you're amped up for the first game of the season. Now you're playing two games in back-to-back days in this first week of the season. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'll be honest. I don't really know why coach K scheduled it quite this way. It seems to me like, you know, if you really want to simulate the NCAA tournament, you would do it like Friday, Sunday or Thursday, right. Saturday. Um, Friday, Sunday would certainly make a lot of sense, but you know, they just decided to do it Friday, Saturday. And again, given the quality of these opponents, I don't think it'll be too difficult for Duke to, um, to be able to, to work on some things and, and, and develop, you know, develop a little more bench, um, give those bench guys a little bit of time and, and, and also learn from what we, you know, what we didn't do well against Kentucky. Um, but uh, you know, it's a little curious scheduling. It's pretty rare for a team to play on consecutive days like this, uh, other than in, um, you know, one of these sort of sort of holiday Maui or somewhere. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Today's podcast is brought to you by bet online. We're back at better than ever a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds and lines than ever before. Bet online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website 
to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your sports. Bet online where the game starts. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. If you haven't tried a Built Bar by now, you are certainly missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. You have to try one of these amazing bars yourself to believe it. Most protein bars are chalky or waxy or just plain hard to choke down. A Built Bar is soft, covered in 100% real chocolate, and when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's more of an experience, one that you'll enjoy. In fact, you'd swear you're eating a candy bar. Built Bars are low-carb, low-calorie, low-sugar, low-fat, and high in protein. All the healthy benefits on top of just being purely delicious with so many flavors. This month, Built Bar is coming out with a whole new limited-time flavors every three to four days, so check their website often. You don't want to miss out. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. The promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off at Built.com. Give me a little bit more on, on your thoughts on Jeremy Roach's play. Obviously, a team-high 37 minutes, 6.7 rebounds, but only seven assists as a team, and Wendell Moore was the leader in that category with three. I know they split up ball handling duties, which is something that you and I discussed we thought would probably be the outcome, but Roach was out there a lot in that first game of the season versus Kentucky. Yeah, and he's clearly a very important player for Duke. I thought he played good defense. Duke did a really nice job on Wheeler and Washington, who um, who were the guys who uh, I was worried about. You yeah. know, I, if Kentucky was going to win this game, I thought it was going to be because Wheeler and Washington both were creating opportunities for themselves, right. but also putting Duke in difficult situations defensively that would create opportunities for their teammates. Um, they did, uh, you know, Wheeler and Washington did a decent job of that in the first half, but um, but really in the second half, uh, they struggled with it. And And Jeremy Roach was one of the major reasons why Duke's defense was able to contain those guys. So, so I like what he was bringing defensively. He, he just, you know, it, it didn't feel like the kind of game where we were, I, I said this earlier, where we were moving the ball around a lot. And so Jeremy Roach didn't have the ball in his hands a lot on offense. Um, for the most part, whichever one of Wendell Moore, Trevor Keels, or Paulo Bancaro had the ball in their hand when they came over, over right. half court, that was the guy who was going to create the <laughs> shot. So there, there weren't a lot of opportunities for Jeremy Roach. There will be down the road. I'm, I'm really convinced of that. Um, I, I, I've heard from a lot of people that his outside shooting has improved. Um, he had a couple really nice finishes in traffic around the rim. Um, and I think opposing teams are going to start keying so much on Duke's big three scorers. That's going to create opportunities for Jeremy. Basketball season is back for the Duke Blue Devils, and we're talking with Jason Evans here from the Duke Basketball Report today on Locked On Blue Devils. Jason, I got to say it too. The uh, the Duke men's basketball social media team, they're already back to, to full work. Oh, boy, did they everything. hit a home run. What wow. a week for them. Yeah, so they Duke has the largest social media following. The Duke men's basketball social media accounts have the largest following of any uh, college basketball program. Yeah. And – they of don't any college sports program. I mean, the, their statistics yeah. are crazy. Yeah. And they, I, as I said, they don't rest on their laurels. Those guys 
are constantly looking for new ways of doing things. They, they put us behind the scenes a lot. They give us tremendous access to the players and the coaches. And then their latest, I, I'm sure you're, you're talking about the flyover. Right. Yeah, the Brotherhood Airway, Airlines, yeah. <laughs> I think they're calling it. Um, one of the more impressive drone videos that you will see having nothing to do with college sports. Right. Having nothing to do with sports at all, just in terms of any drone video. Um, the video that they just put out that goes through the Duke campus um, and keeps on swooping in on the Duke coaching staff at various places on campus and having them talk about what a special and unique place Duke is. Um, it, you know, it feels like a recruiting video. It feels like something that they probably showed to Derek Lively and the other right. <laughs> uh, the other guys who 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 they are recruiting, Martin sure. Mitchell and the such. Um, I don't know how you could watch it and not be super excited to go to Duke. It is it is just it's an unbelievable video. I'm sure that there are going to be people who are not Duke fans out there who will go check it out because it is so um, it's so much fun to watch. Right. It is awesome. It's awesome, and uh, hopefully we're able to get more awesome content from this weekend with games versus Army and Campbell and then real b- back at it on Tuesday versus Gardner-Webb. I mean, they're in a big stretch here with several games in a row next Friday, four games in a span of seven days for uh, what's to come for Duke basketball. That's kind of wild. Yeah, and and again, you know, none of these games are are going to be super tough for Duke. Right. Um, and, and I feel like a lot of these opponents um, – this is sort of Coach K's way of saying farewell to some of these schools. Uh, Army, certainly. Uh, he has such a storied history right. at Army. Uh, it is absolutely appropriate and fitting that, that they are playing the Black Knights in Coach K's final season coaching. I'm sure, I'm sure he will be shedding a tear. You know, there are going to be a lot of these you know, Coach K finale, Coach K right. farewell kind of things where he's going to be like, yeah, let's get on with it. I think Army will be different. Um, and, uh, and it'll be fun for all of us to get to, to watch that, uh, that, that with him, because I think it's, I, I, like I say, I, I, I bet you'll see him be more emotional than usual on Friday night. You just mentioned it a little bit earlier, 120 games on Tuesday night to kick off the season. Here we are in the first week of the college basketball season. How great has this been just to see everything back? It's fun. It's fun. Uh, I, I, I feel like, because we didn't have fans for so much of last year and because there was just so much else going on in the world last yeah. year, <laughs> last season. Um, it's not just because Duke struggled and Kentucky. So, yeah, there are a number of storied programs that really struggled last year. In fact, the, the champions classic um, it, Duke and Kentucky missed the NCAA tournament last year, Kansas and Michigan state made it, but Michigan state just barely Michigan state, you know, made the first four as right. they call it. And, and were knocked out by UCLA, I think in double overtime. Um, so Michigan state didn't even make the regular field of 68 Kansas. I want to say went out. It was either the sweet 16 or, or maybe it was a round of 32, but they just got blown out by USC. Like it wasn't even a close game Right for those four programs, four of the most storied programs in the country, annually teams that, um, you know, if you're if you want to ask me who's going to be in the top 10 in five years, which is theoretically impossible to project because I have no idea who's going to be on anyone's roster in five years. I'm probably picking those four teams as teams that will be in the top 10 because historically they always are for those teams to have had that poor season. Um, uh, it, it makes the start of this new season that much more palpable. And, and I feel like. I feel like it's been forever since college basketball happened because last year was so weird and so strange. It doesn't feel like it's been six months. It feels like it's been 16 or 18 months. Tell me what you guys got going on at Duke basketball report right now, Jason, what can people find? 
Uh, so, you know, obviously we're, we're just thrilled and excited that the season's coming up. <laughs> uh, I will tell you that in a couple weeks, um, we have secured interviews with the headline monitors, the current headline monitors at Duke. And when the students uh, go on their exam break, we'll be sitting down and chatting with the headline monitors a little bit. Uh, I, I, uh, the, the process of getting students into games is, is a very cool and interesting one. JJ, I'm not sure if you know this. Do you know who invented the line to some extent at Duke? I, no, tell me. Uh, yours truly. To, uh, wow! I, I don't want to say I invented the line, but I invented line monitoring. Back in 1986, when I was a freshman, there were people who were, you know, we started, that was, you know, that was Johnny Dawkins senior year. Yeah. And there were so many people lining up for games that it was starting to get a little bit unruly. I was in a group of about eight or 10 friends. We were all freshmen and we had decided we were going to be first in line for every game that year. Um, and we actually ended up being, if not first, you know, first three or four groups in line for every game for all four years we were at school. But so we were up at the very front and, and, and I vividly recall, um, I, I believe it was a game against NC state. I woke up one morning from tenting from camping out and there were just people surrounding me everywhere who hadn't been there for, you know, hadn't been there camping out with us for a while. And I was like, you know, what are you folks doing here? And they're like, Oh, we're in line. I'm like, you're, you're not in line ahead of me. Yeah. <laughs> we're here last night or the night before. So, so I, I sort of said, I was like, this is crazy. We've got to have a list. You know, we got to put together a, a list that we say, these are all the, you know, these are the people who are in line. And as new people come up, we will add them to the back of the list. And so I just started keeping a list and it really came to fruition with the Carolina game that year. And, um, I, you know, we had 500 plus kids coming out for the Carolina game, which is a lot. And so this list became, you know, this sort of sacrosanct thing. People would come to the line and they go, yeah, go find this guy, Jason, up at the front. He's got the list. <laughs> um, and so that was that was the beginning of creating a line that was somewhat organized. And then the next year, uh, in 1987, uh, the Duke student government took over. Um, a guy named Jay Burton, actually, who's, who's still a friend of mine, uh, was uh, I think was the first official line monitor. Um, but, uh, but many people will tell you that I was actually first. So anyway, so one of the things we have coming up is we're going to be talking so cool. about line monitors. My, one of my colleagues, Donald Wine, who you've interviewed before. And Donald I've asked was a him head, about his line monitoring experience. Yeah, That's Donald awesome. was a headline monitor. I was a headline. I was the first headline monitor and we're going to be talking to the current headline monitor. So that's kind of fun. Be on the lookout for that. Then I'm going to have to listen to that for sure. At DBRSBN on Twitter at Jason Duke Evans to find him as well. Jason, thank you so much for doing this. Enjoy Duke basketball this weekend. And we'll talk to you again soon. Boy, I sure will. Good talking to you, JJ. Have fun, everybody, because we got a lot of games coming up. No doubt about that. It is Locked On Blue Devils. Thank you again so much for listening to us on today's show. Follow Jason on Twitter at Jason Duke Evans. I'm on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.